Praise God. Isaiah chapter 53. I asked you to take a ride with me last week. I did not intend to go back to this, but early Tuesday morning, very early Tuesday morning, the Lord woke me up and I went back and began to look again. I don't want to belabor the point, but I do feel like the Lord laid some things on my heart that I hope will help somebody tonight. If you weren't here last Wednesday night, we talked to the church about principles for living under pressure from one pressure to another, state of a lot of our lives anymore, from one pressure to another, and I believe that that principles are what keep you in times of pressure and stress. So I want to go back to Isaiah 53 just for a few moments. We're going to read again Isaiah's writings concerning the Messiah, the coming Christ, what he would do, his ministry, the burdens that he would carry, all because of us, for our need. It begins like this. It says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And there, and, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, everybody say all we, talking about all of us tonight, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You ought to underline the word iniquity. It is sin to the nth degree. The dirtiest, the vilest. He carried it. He laid that on himself and carried it for us. He was opposed or he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. 
for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And he shall see of the travail of his soul and servant. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He is numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I know this is not Easter any longer, but I'm afraid sometimes we pass too quickly over this part of our salvation. And I'm afraid that Many of us, myself included, don't go often enough to that place and that time. Remember what all he did, doing it for us. More than that, how he conducted himself, how he held himself under such great pressure. So many great things that I found when I began to read that passage again. I want to help somebody, hopefully tonight. I'm not standing here as anything special other than a mouthpiece. But I hope you will open your heart. I want to continue with some principles for living under pressure. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week, and I don't want to spend a lot of time rehearsing what I said, but I do want to remind all of you that none of us, live without some kind of pressure upon our life. It comes from many forces and factors, and it comes unwanted and unsolicited, but it is very much a part of all of our lives. Job said that man is born for trouble. He didn't mean that he was a troublemaker or a trouble seeker, but Life was going to bring to every man a certain measure of trouble. There were going to be things that you and I would have to deal with. And they would be part of our character building. Amen. Part of our character building. Part of what makes us who we are and who we're supposed to be. And so... Tonight, we want to go back for just a few moments and look at a few other things that the Lord uh, drew my attention to over the last few days. And I guess maybe I should have made this a series. I always think about that too late. 
but you're just going to get it all tonight. Amen. Everybody said amen. Praise God. While reading over these passages uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, prior to the Easter weekend, I, I began to see uh, certain things about uh, the life of the Lord that spoke to me and they, they struck me as being principles that uh, you and I could learn something from and uh, they could become principles which we live. Because if you've read any of that passage, you, you have to understand that he was under a great deal of pressure, uh, not only from outward forces, but even from uh, so-called religious people. They had put extreme pressures on him. And yet he held himself so well and he dealt with them. I, I was amazed afresh at how he encountered bitterness and, and betrayal and hatred and uh, denial and all of those things. And yet he held true to his purpose and he showed us how to live when people walk away from us. He showed us how to live when people lie about us. He showed us how to live when things happen that are beyond our control, but they are part of our destiny. And we would not be who we are called to be if we did not live through those things. And he showed us how to do it, how he responded and how he held himself. And the lesson that the Lord has, has, has driven deep into my spirit has been this, that the principles that we live by are the principles that keep us when we are under pressure and when we have things going on that we don't understand or we feel are unfair. And so we talked about many of those. I'm just going to very quickly highlight a few of them again, but one of them was That he moved with purpose. He was driven with purpose, not by problems. What a great principle to live by. To not allow our problems to drive us and force us to do things that we should not do or act out of character. And he, he spoke of the cross as his glory. It was, it was not the worst thing that had ever happened to him. It was the best thing. I wonder what would happen with you and I when we're going through troubling situations and dealing with pressure if instead of viewing it as this is the worst day of my life, it couldn't get any worse than this. I wonder what would happen if we just looked at it as an opportunity for God to do something great in our life and saw it as a Not the worst thing that could happen to us, but perhaps one of the best things that could happen to us. Look at it from a different perspective and allow God to transform that trouble into your glory, into your making, who you are and who God wants you to be. It was that pressure and that problem that he lived under that vindicated who he said he was. if he had not lived like he lived, he, he would have not been able to have declared himself to have been the Christ. 
but because he was able to withstand all of the pressure and the bitterness and the hatred and all of the venom that the world and the devil was spewing out at him in maintaining his spirit in that moment, he was able to transform his cross into a crown of glory. And I believe that all of us, I know, I don't just believe all of us have a cross to carry. And I said it last week and I'm going to say it again. It's not the person sitting beside you. Amen. I is a personal thing that God has put in your life that it is your responsibility to take up and carry it without whining and whimpering and carrying on. And, you know, it would be wonderful if we could all get hold of that principle. God, let this become the making of me, not the destroying of me. Amen. Amen. He prayed during this time. And if you don't pray during times of pressure, I don't have a lot of hope for you. Amen. If he had to pray and he had to battle his own flesh, I I don't think that I'm going to be any less. I was moved by the things that he could have done, but he didn't do. And I said it, and I want to say it again. There's such great character revealed when you have the power to hurt somebody and you choose to let it go. To me, that's one of the greatest attributes of a true Christian is when you can just bear it. Paul talked about that. What happened that we just bear it? Why, why do we feel like when something happens that puts pressure on us that God should come in and, and extract us from that and deliver us from that? And why is it so often that I find myself praying, Oh God, free us from these burdens. And God said, free you. If I free you from that burden, you're going to lose part of what I have brought into your life to help develop you. It's like the little cocoon that holds the, the, the caterpillar. You, you, if you do anything to mess up the process of its birth, you will destroy its life because there's something God made into that struggle to get out of that cocoon that moves that, that caterpillar into a different stage and a phase of life. That's how it becomes a butterfly. And if you tear that, that cocoon to help it out, you're not helping it, you're hurting it. And how many times have we tried to get God to tear the cocoon for us because we were tired of struggling. And we wanted somebody else to tear it. And if we didn't get somebody else, we found something to poke through it and tear it ourselves. And then we didn't learn anything. We, we, we have to go right back through this. God help us when we've got the power to do something, hurt somebody, and we say, you know what, I'm going to live by a higher standard. I'm going to live by a higher principle. You say, but they're doing it. Why can't I do it? Because I don't want to lower myself to their level. That's why. Amen. I I don't want to lower myself to their level. He answered them not a word. He addressed issues and not individuals. 
he, 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 that's important. When you're under pressure, man, I'm telling you, I, I've, I've met some of the sweetest people that when they're under pressure, goodness gracious, you don't want to be 10 feet from them because they're just bad vibes that come out. They become an attack. I mean, they're, they're they, they go into a survival mode. And I think there's something to keeping your focus on issues and not attack individuals and personalities. We, and that's a struggle because it's hard to differentiate the issue from the personality. And so many times we find ourselves attacking a person instead of going after what needs to be addressed. And that's the issue. What caused this? Let's find out a way to remedy this so that we don't have to deal with this in the future. I talked about him singing a hymn. I wrote this down. He sang a hymn, not a funeral dirge. I wish I could learn how to do that. Because when I'm under pressure, I want somebody to know I'm under pressure. And it may not come out in my words, but it can come out in the tone of my voice. How you doing? Oh, well. I don't want my song to be affected by that attitude. I, I'm not singing a funeral dirge. I want a song of praise. The 136th Psalm. You need to memorize it. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Every verse ends with that. And what I saw when I read it was he names all of these problems and all of these things that have been encountered. But the remedy for whatever you're going through is that the mercy of the Lord endures forever. It's going to last longer than your problem. Ah, Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for mercy that lasts longer than my problems last. All right, we're going to go somewhere new tonight. This is what the Lord woke me up at early Tuesday morning. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. The Bible says that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And if you read the account, that's where Luke begins his journey toward Jerusalem before the crucifixion. Many of the things that are recorded there are part of those that last week or so of his life. And what I noticed when I read that, and I read John in John chapter 2 and 19, he, he said to those that were standing around him, that were questioning who he was or his authority, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will arise again. I will raise it up again. And this is what the Lord you got to stay focused in the present, not distracted by the present. Amen. I don't care what's happening in my life. I cannot allow what is happening to distract me from what I'm here to do, what God has put me, what God has purposed for my life. And His actions are those of one who was able to maintain his focus even under the most severe pressure and he stayed focused on what really mattered. Amen. Amen. He stayed focused on what mattered. 
To me, that is one of the most important spiritual principles that I could ever develop in my life is the ability that no matter what's going on around me, keep in mind what is the main thing and keeping the main thing, the main thing. Because when pressure is on you, there's all these opportunities to react and to speak and to do things that could, could, could uh, affect the whole outcome of the story. But if you can keep your mind and your spirit focused on what really matters, it doesn't matter last word in battle. It doesn't matter if I get my last word in. Somebody's always going to have a last word. And I just decided it doesn't always have to be me. I wonder how many arguments would end in families if they would just quit trying to get that last word in. Wow, you're excited tonight, I can tell. Keeping the main thing the main thing. Distractions are all around us. That's what gets all of us in trouble. Amen. It's hard. We live in a dysfunctional society where everything in our world is trying to make our lives as dysfunctional as a society that we live in. You have an iPhone, you have a, a, a some kind of smartphone, and that smartphone will get a smart person into a lot of dumb trouble. Amen. <laughs> and it's because they get their eyes on the wrong thing. You don't have to react to that post on Facebook. Hallelujah. And not at least, let me know you're hearing me. You don't have to respond to every little thing that's said or done. I mean, that's just a distraction. All that's doing is trying to siphon away your spiritual energy. One of the most, one, one of the most tragic pictures that is painted in the New Testament, Jesus painted it in the parable of the seed and the sower and one of the seed that that one of the grounds that he talked about the seed falling on was the thorny ground and i i read some background in 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 the 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 uh setting of what jesus was referring to and when that seed was cast it went in many directions but some of that fell among thorns or it fell among an area that was infested with weeds. And one historian said, the reason that that seed became unfruitful was because of what was going on underneath the surface of the ground. They said that when that seed fell among thorns or it fell in the weedy area, that the weeds and the thorn, the roots of that those those plants would intertwine themselves around the root of the good seed. And when that root of the good seed was sucking up nutrients out of the soil to try to nourish itself into fruitfulness, it sucked that out of that root system into the weeds and just made more weeds and no fruit. And that's what happens in life. We get into situations where all of these things are trying to suck out of us 
our purpose and suck out of us the things that make us who we are and get us distracted or, or sidetracked on things that don't matter one hill of beans and they won't matter a hundred years from now either. But you can spaz out and you can get all frustrated and angry and bitter and you can say things in a moment that you'll have a lifetime to have to live down. Amen. Praise God. You got to stay focused on what really matters in the present. Not distracted. Amen. Stay focused. The next thing the Lord talked to me about was that it's painful. You need to just understand this about pressure. It's painful. And there's no way to, for God to extract the pain from your life. My brother was telling me last Wednesday night, I, I, we were talking after service, and he said, you know what, when he cut his fingers off in a, a, an accident one time, and they, were, they sewed them back on, and, and weeks later, there was a lot of pain. And he was talking to the doctor about the pain and the doctor was explaining to him the value of pain in the human body and in the human condition. And this is what the doctor said. Pain is not a sign that you are injured. Pain is a sign that you are healing. And he said, if you didn't hurt, we would know that the fingers were dying and we would have to cut them off. But the pain is what lets me know as a doctor that things are still working in the right direction. Now we want to go through life pain free. That's why we self-medicate ourselves. And we don't always pop pills. Some people self-medicate themselves other ways. And I don't mean drinking. I mean there's a lot of ways that we can self-medicate ourselves to try to ease the pain because we don't like suffering. Nobody, I don't like suffering. I don't like hurting. But I've learned this much about living life. It's painful. There's no easy way to get through it. You're not going to get through life without a broken heart of some kind somewhere along the way. Get over that. Well, I don't understand why. I don't understand either, but that's part of the fabric of life. But pain is not my enemy. Pain is an evidence that I'm healing, that I'm improving, that I'm doing better. I ought to thank God for those pains. That's a whole new perspective on life, isn't it? Well, put that in your back pocket and take it home and think about it later on. Maybe it'll dawn on you what I'm trying to say. Praise God. If you don't hurt, there's no way of knowing that we're healing. Amen. Praise God. What a revelation if I could understand that pain is not a sign that I'm hurt. Pain is a sign that I'm healing. I'm getting better. Amen. Somebody said amen. Another thing the Lord showed me during my reading was that 
it's important when you're under pressure to maintain an attitude of forgiveness. Man. Because there are going to be people that will do things to you during that time that don't even know what they're doing. Now, there are some people that are evil. There are some people that are like the devil. Their intent is to hurt you. But there's a lot of people in life that somehow find a way of hurting us that don't really know that they're hurting us. What did Jesus say when he was hanging on the cross and all those people were walking by? Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they... Stop, but that's not what he said. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If he had not been able to maintain that attitude of forgiveness, I doubt very seriously if you and I would be sitting here tonight, there wouldn't have been any, there wouldn't have been a cross, there wouldn't have been a Gethsemane, there wouldn't have been a resurrection morning. But because he was able to maintain an attitude of forgiveness, that's what I've been trying and praying that God would help me with for the last two years more than anything I've prayed for. I want to keep an attitude of forgiveness in my life because I don't want life to make me bitter. I don't want people to make me bitter. I don't want issues to make me bitter. And it's so easy to get caught up in it and I wrestle with it. And I'm not telling you tonight that I made it, but I'm working on it. I want to be able to maintain in my life an attitude of forgiving, of forgiving those who hurt me, forgiving those who have said things that were not right. Over the last couple of years in my own personal life, I've had to lay on this floor many times and ask God to wash out of me any spirit that would even look like or smell like an unforgiving spirit because I do not want my life tainted by that kind of spirit. Amen. And it takes a while to pray that out of you because your flesh is saying, oh no, oh no, we're holding on to this. Oh no, you, you, you don't really, you, you're not thinking straight right now. Just wait till you come back to your senses and you'll realize what they said about you. What they did about you. Oh, you know what? It doesn't make any difference. Bitterness getting rooted in your life is the absolute worst thing that can happen to you. Because I don't know very many remedies for bitterness. Amen. In my lifetime of ministry, I've dealt with a lot of people that have struggled with bitterness. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most vicious things that can come into a person's life. Because it has a way of justifying everything you do and making it reasonable and making it as if it were okay. Amen. This is what the Lord really dealt with me Tuesday morning about. Is being able to stay sensitive during times of stress and pressure and not hardened by those things that you're going through.
hanging between two malefactors, two thieves that were there for a good reason. They had been caught red-handed. The evidence was there against them. One of them, beside him, railed at him, mocked him. The other one said, Lord, remember me. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He would not let what was happening to him harden him. I don't know of anything in my spirit. I think more than hardening of the heart. I think the reason that I fear it is because it happens without me knowing it. Anybody know what a callus is? Now I know we know how they get there. But did you know how long it took to get there? It happens every day. The rubbing of life. The rubbing of one thing against another. And over time, unknown. I I didn't even realize it was being, it was built up. I, I didn't realize how thick the skin had become. It's life's way of preserving me again from pain. And so it builds up day after day. I don't even realize that it's happening, but it is happening. And I, 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 I get to the place where I can't feel anymore. I, one of my surgeries, I, I have no feeling on the top side of my arm. And I don't know how long it'll be that way, but I'm telling you, I don't like living when you can't feel. I... I rub this often every day trying to get something to work in it again. I don't like not being able to feel something. And I don't want to get in my life to the point where I have become so hardened by the things that have happened to me and the things that people are doing to me that I lose my sensitivity to life and to people around me and to needs that are around me. Even in that crisis moment, His spirit was still sensitive to people around him. And it was sensitive to needs that were around him. And he refused to let what men were doing to him harden him. Amen. Don't let what life is doing to you make you hard. That's a dangerous place to be. I wrote down several things that hardness does to us. But I also discovered that there are several byproducts of hardness. Or or producers, I should say, of hardness. And you know what one of them is? Go read Romans chapter 2. Paul talks about a judgmental spirit. is one of the worst things that you can let into your, your life. Because it hardens you not hurts the other person. Amen. Be careful just how fine that microscope is that you carry around and that inspection that you do when you come around to church or people. Man, don't 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 
Don't take God's place. I'm not here to be your judge. I'm here to be a preacher of the gospel and I'm going to do my best to deliver. But I'm not the one that's going to judge. You can fool me. You can fool everybody in this church, but you're not going to fool God. But it's not my responsibility to decide whether you're fooling me or not. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to keep the doors open. I'm going to keep the altar open. I'm going to leave opportunity for God to do something. I'm going to leave room for the tide to move. I'm going to leave room for God to do something because you never can tell what one service might do. You never can tell what one service might be that altar produce in a person's life. So it's not me to judge. Well, you know what? They've been down that altar before. I'm not going to pray with them. I don't care if they come a thousand times back to the altar. I want to make sure that I'm standing beside them because I'm not their judge. I'm here to help them get to that judge one of these days and get to him in the right spirit. Amen. Amen. Hardness. That's a dangerous thing. You better ask the Lord every day, don't let my spirit become hardened. Don't make life uncomfortable for others. Because of uh, the things that you're going through. Amen. Take, uh, take your life in, in, in the proper dosage of God's grace and mercy. And don't make life miserable for somebody else because you're frustrated. God, forgive me. I've done that. Amen. I've done that. Well, I'm going to go on. All right, I'm going to hurry up. We won't do this next Wednesday night. Last but not least, he taught us how to live by faith and not by fear. I've read this many times, but it just leaped out at me again the other day. The scripture says, and I believe it's in Luke. I I didn't put down, yes, Luke 13. I believe that's where it's at, 1331. This is where it begins, verse 31. It says, the same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill you. Trying to make him afraid, get him to react in fear. And he said unto them, I love this. I wish I could tell some people sometimes. No, I don't. I'm, I repent right now for saying it. He said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out devils. And I do cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. What was he saying? He's saying, what you're saying about me and what you're saying to me is not going to be what determines my future. I am not going to live my life driven by fear and frightened by what's happening around me. I'm not going to let my life be determined, my destiny determined by fear. It's toxic to our life and it will destroy us. 
because it has so many byproducts that will harm us. But my, my, my point to you tonight is don't let fear decide your peace, your happiness, your life, your future. Live by faith. Amen. Live by faith. Walk by faith. Say, I don't know what to do. That's all right. You know how to walk. Just keep walking. Well, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you do. Say, this is the day the Lord hath made. I, I will rejoice and be glad in it. What the Lord this day is, whatever is in it, I will rejoice in it because the Lord made it. The devil, the devil didn't do this to me. Man, live by faith. Walk by faith. Act in faith, not fear. I wonder how many of our troubles and how many mistakes we make in life because we start living reactive to life. We live wondering and fearful of, well, well, if I do this, what's this? You know what? I'm not getting up every morning worrying that the devil might be outside my door. I already know he's outside my door. I'm not worried about that. Well, you're not afraid of what you, you, you talk about the devil. You, you're not afraid. No, I'm not afraid. Why should I be afraid of a defeated foe? Why should I be fearful of one that Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He, he's already defeated. He, he doesn't, just doesn't know it yet. So why should I live my life Oh, the devil. That was the devil. That was... Man, there's not that many devils, folks. Sometimes it's just life. Now, I don't know how many demons there are, but they're just not... Amen. I better go on. Live by faith, not by fear. Remember that the journey is more important than the incidents along the way. Principles for living under pressure. Don't let fear determine your destiny. Stand with me, if you will. Life will try to scare you. And it's easy to forget who you are and what really matters in times of pressure. But I challenge you, go back. I I don't know. I know there's a lot more in there than what I've even been able to scratch the surface of. But... I, I challenge you. I know Easter's past, but it's not past. He, he was, after his resurrection, he was, at, he, he was on the earth for a number of days. Uh, probably 40 at least, maybe. I, who, who knows? I, I don't. But I know some of you probably know exactly how many days he was here. I just, I'm not right off the top of my head. I, I couldn't tell you, but I know he was here for more than just one day. So why don't we, why don't we take this whole season and live in the glory of what he accomplished and go back and dig through all of that scripture again and read it and just let it, let it minister in your spirit. Let, let it speak to you. That's how the Lord does. I'm just, I just read it. And while I'm reading it, it begins to speak back to me. This is how you live. This is, this is how to act. This is how not to react. This is what to say. This is what not to say. 
This is when you need to make a big deal out of it. And this is when you need to just leave it alone. Oh God, I wish I had that gift. I wish we all had that gift tonight. We can if we will just learn something from him about principles for living under pressure. Reach over and take somebody by the hand that's near you right now. Father, we love you tonight. I'm humbled to be here. I know that I don't deserve your goodness. I don't deserve your mercy. So many times, Lord, when I preach to these good people, I feel condemned myself because I know that I am not always what I need to be. And I fall short so many times in so many areas. But help us tonight. Lord, I want to live victoriously. I want to live... Lord, with the peace of God in my heart and life. I, I want to live knowing that the pressures of the moment are not going to destroy me. They're going to make me. They're going to develop in me a stamina and a spirit to stand. And no matter what happens in life, no matter what comes against me, nothing shall be able to destroy Nothing shall be able to tear down because I'm built on a foundation that will not be shaken. Help us, God, in this hour in which we live, in which so many winds are blowing and there is so much pressure on people's lives. Help us to learn how to live under pressure. Help us to learn how to live when things are not going well. How to maintain our spirit and our attitude and our praise and our worship when everything is going wrong and life seems to be falling apart, but we are holding on to a faith that cannot be shaken. We're holding on to a promise that will not fail. We are living by those promises, not by problems that we're encountering, but we're living on promises. We're, we're living on the Word of God that never dies, that is ever alive and, and is ever fresh and there to encourage me and help me and strengthen me. Hallelujah. Bless your people tonight, Lord. Strengthen those that are going through difficult times right now. Help them to square their shoulders. And set their face like you set your face and just go on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To set our face and go. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. Amen. Brother Clatty, would you lead us in that? When peace like a river attendeth my way.